Um, I love Newcomers Sunday. Can't wait to, uh, uh, to get together after the next service with a bunch of new people here at Coastal and uh, talk about our church and talk about our story. Uh, today, uh, we are in week three of this series entitled uh, Summer Reading. Now, uh, before we get started, raise your hand if you remember uh, those days when you had that list of books that you were supposed to read before the school year got started, over the summer, okay? Students, do you remember those days when you had that list of books, Trent, that you were supposed to read? Okay. Um, now, raise your hand if your kids or you conveniently forgot about that list until the week before <laughs> summer. I knew it. I knew it. Um, well, uh, summer reading. Here we are. School starts in a week. I know you're excited about that, aren't you? Um, woo! Uh, the idea for this series has, is simple. Uh, we picked out uh, about a half a dozen books that we thought were worth reading. And then each week what we're doing is just, uh, well, number one, we're encouraging you to read the books. They're, they're, they are good. Uh, even if you're not a reader, you know, try to read one book. Um, but we're, uh, each Sunday then we're preaching a message based on the subject matter on that book. Now, we've just, we picked out a wide variety of books on a wide variety of uh, topics, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed it so far, because after all, here at Coastal, we believe that leaders are what? Readers. Leaders are readers. Well, today's book, if you're looking for a book to read, today's book would probably be, and you're not a reader, this might be good because it's the shortest of all the books, okay? So it's a pretty easy read, but it happens to be on one of my all-time favorite topics, uh, the church. Uh, I am passionate, passionate about the church. Uh, I love my church. I love Coastal Community Church. Now, obviously, this is not my church. The church belongs to Jesus, right? He is the head of the church. Uh, the Bible says this is his body. We are his body. We are his bride. Uh, Colossians 1.8 says, in fact, that he is Jesus. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything Jesus might have supremacy. So the church, both collectively, big capital C, and little c, individually, the church is his. However, in a way, this is my church. This is your church in the sense that this is where I'm committed. You know, this is what some of you would say the same thing. This is my church because this is your family. This is where, where you belong. Now, as outdated as this might sound today in our culture, I believe in the local church. I believe, in fact, that the local church is the hope of the world. Now, the local church has had its problems, okay? I'm not blind to that. I'm not stupid. I know that over the years, uh, the, the church has done damage. To a lot of people and, and uh, a lot of situations and maybe some of you are here today and you would say in fact that you've been hurt in your past by pastors or by a church or people who call themselves Christians. I wish I could undo that. Um, I do. I, listen, God's heart breaks for you, for your heart and so does mine. Now, however, when it's done right, wow. There is nothing better than the local church. So, before you decide to throw out the baby with the bathwater and uh, give up on the local church, you know, before you start floating from church to church and 
you know, decide that no church meets up, lives up to your standards, or you're just going to do church in your home, or that you're just spiritual, you know, um, and uh, you believe in, you know, the, the, the universal church. Listen, understand something. The local church, according to Scripture, is the imperfect, we, we are the imperfect, visible reflection of the perfect, invisible Jesus Christ. If you take a note, write that down today. The local church, we are the imperfect, visible reflection of the perfect, invisible Christ. True Christianity and the local church can never be separated. The church was Jesus's idea. He started the church. Now, I believe that what we are seeing right now in our culture, in our country, and what we are going to continue to see here in America is the true church rising up and being and becoming the church. As the world around us, yes, does get worse and worse, and the times in which we live get more and more desperate and more hopeless, those churches, those body, bodies of believers that are, are serious about proclaiming and living out the life and the message of Jesus in the world. It's those churches that are going to grow and flourish. That's the Holy Spirit speaking right there, talking to us. Um, now, listen. While dying churches will complain and compete against each other and point fingers at one another, I think the true church, what's happening is the true church is going to rise up. And instead of just always complaining about, oh, the world we live in is so terrible and so awful and poor pitiful us and poor pitiful me, the true church instead sees these not as obstacles but, but as opportunities for the church to be the church. Understanding, sure, today people are hopeless, but guess what, guys? We have hope. You know, yes, people are enslaved to more things and more stuff than ever before, but we are the only ones truly that offer freedom. People are dying, and, and we have life. I mean, these are exciting opportunities for us to be the church right here and right now. God has put us here for such a time as this, and I believe that. Now, I do believe that the church has got to be changing. You know, we can't keep doing things the way we've always done them. If we want to reach people that no one is reaching, we've got to be willing to do things that nobody else is doing. And so, yes, the message, the life-saving gospel message of Jesus, that has never changed, that should never be altered. But our methods, our strategies, what we do and how we do it, that's got to be constantly evaluated and be changing. If anything... We need to be communicating the life-saving gospel message clearer and stronger than we have ever done so in the past. And when we see people, when, when the community, when the world sees a church proclaim and live the words of Jesus and really do the works of Jesus, let me tell you something. That is a powerful, powerful, beautiful thing in that community. The church is not going to go away. The church will last on into eternity. I mean, businesses, corporations, famous people, this culture, it will come and go. The church will stand forever. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I mean, again, 
businesses, corporations, governments, they will fall, they will crumble, they will come and go, but the church will last forever. So, I love the church. I love my church. Here's what I love, here, here's what I hope is going to happen for some of you today. Here it is. I hope that you fall in love either again or for the first time with the church. I would love for you be, to be able to join me and say, I love my church. I mean, I make no, no apologies for saying that today, to be honest with you, up front, I hope that you will say in the very near future, I love Coastal Community Church. And that our church becomes your church. Listen, we're not perfect. You know, we got a lot of room for improvement around here. Like I said, we are the visible, imperfect reflection of the perfect invisible Christ. There is no perfect church because there are no perfect what? People. In fact, let's talk about that just for a moment. You know, everybody here in this room today, you're all a part of a family. Now, raise your hand if there are any whack jobs, crazies in your family. Okay, the rest of you are lying. Okay, I've seen, I've seen your families. They're messed up. Now, um, now let, let this process this just for a moment before you raise your hand. But I want you to raise your hand if at any time in your family dynamic, in the time you've had with your family, and not just at Thanksgiving or Christmas or family gatherings, but at any time, have you ever personally felt like strangling somebody in your family? Okay? Now, raise your hand if that person is sitting next to you. No, I'm just teasing. Don't do that. Put your hands down. Okay. Um, now... Think about this, I mean, because this is the truth. So what do you do then? What, I mean, what do you think happens when you put like 50, 100, or 500 of your families together, and they're all now a part of the same family called the what? The church. I mean, we're going to drive each other crazy sometimes, right? I mean, there's a bunch of whack jobs here. I mean, they're, I mean we're crazy. And, and there's going to be times when we're going to get on each other's very last nerve. Now, here's what's different, though. Because we have been redeemed. Because we are covered with the blood of Jesus. And we have been forgiven. We have resurrection power. And we can forgive others. We can love one another. You know, you might not have to be best buddies with everybody here at the church, but we can love one another. Now, let me replay a scenario for you that I've seen countless times over the 25 years that I've been the pastor here. Um, I'm talking to somebody, you know, maybe somebody who comes to our church. And uh, they've been coming, you know, maybe for a little while, in fact. And uh, somewhere in the conversation, the topic of, you know, our church comes up. And instead of that person saying, at our church or, you know, my church, they say what? Well, Pastor Chris, your church. Now, usually I don't, I don't say anything because I understand, you know, that, that is a process. That is, it's a commitment, it's a, it's a decision that maybe they haven't made yet. They don't consider me yet to be their pastor. They don't consider this yet to be their church. Now, however, in some ways, for some people, 
that is easier still. You know, because if you, don't, if you haven't made that commitment, you can kind of just, you know, float in, float out, very little commitment, very little accountability. And, it, and if things do get tough or somebody does hurt your feelings, which will inevitably happen, well, you can run for cover. You can back away. It, it really is like it's the difference between saying, hey, this is my girlfriend, we're dating, or this is my wife, and we're married. That's a big difference. Okay, so here's my proposal today. And I have to, if I have to get down on one knee, I will. You ready? Here it is. You ready? Let's get married. <laughs> okay? Now, I, I know I'm joking a little bit, but I'm also a little serious this morning. And I, I want to go ahead and tell you up front what I hope will happen. I want to challenge you today to make a commitment to the local church. And if you're here and you live in this area or you've been coming for a while or today God brought you here or somebody invited you to come here, I want to challenge you to make our church your church. I would love for you to be able to say, man, I love my church. I love Coastal. And I do. I love my church. You know, I, I love that we love people here, all people, all people. I love that, you know, when we say come as you are, that's not just a, a feel-good saying about the clothes that you wear, although we really don't care what you wear, and that's obvious this morning, some of you. Uh, no. um, I, I love that we accept all people where they are at before they come here. We don't expect people to clean themselves up before they come to church. Listen, by the way, we don't do that. Jesus does that. I love that we don't care as much about your past as we do where you're headed now. I love that we believe in the power of the gospel to change people's lives, not a long list of do's or don't. I love that no one, we believe that nobody is beyond the reach of God's love and God's grace. I love that here at Coastal, we tell the truth. God's truth, all of it, but we have chosen to do so in kindness and in grace and in love. I love that we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to change people's lives. I love that we recognize that we're all a little crazy, especially your pastor. I love that we believe in walking by faith, in attempting something so big and so bold that without God we know we're destined to fail. I love that we believe that our students are not the church of tomorrow or the future, but they are the church of today. I love that my kids love this church. I love that I miss you when I'm not here, that this is my home, that this is my family. I love that we say that we are, and it's true, that we are willing to do anything short of sin, to see people come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. I love that we believe here at Coastal, we don't just go to church, we are the church. And we're on a mission to rescue people one life at a time, to share and experience the life of Christ. I love how we come together for, you know, big projects and small projects. I love when we eat together. I love how we value serving here and that anybody can get involved and anybody can serve. I love our life groups. And that I have real 3 o'clock in the morning friends because I've been a part of life groups. I love that rich people and poor people, 
white people, Hispanic people, black people, Asian people, old people, young people, educated, uneducated, Clemson and Carolina are all welcome here. I'm working on one of those. But anyway, um, I love that you know that 460 Arlington Drive is not the church. This is not the church. We are the church. I love, though, I love what we do when we gather together. I love Sunday mornings. I love the life that's shared here. I love our music. I love it loud. I love our worship. I could just go on and on and on today. Listen, I love my church. But not every church has what we're experiencing right now. Not every church is alive and growing. Many, many churches today are dead and dying. In fact, that really is the point of uh, this week's book that we're taking a look at, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. In fact, the author, Tom Rainier, what he does in the book is he takes a look at 14 different churches that have died. They're all dead and gone. And uh, he performs an autopsy on them. But they're, re they're churches that have recently died, churches that have recently no longer exist. And he comes up with a list of these nine common factors, nine common characteristics that all led to their decline. Listen to what he says. He says, as many as 100,000 churches in America are showing signs of decline toward death. Raise your hand if you've ever been a part of a dead or dying church. Anybody here? Okay, yeah, I have. You know, my, I have two churches in my background that are part of my heritage growing up, and uh, one of those churches now is, uh, is dead and gone. Now, why in the world would anybody spend time writing about something like that? And, and then, you know, why honestly would we spend time talking about that? You know, on a Sunday morning, I mean, think about it. Autopsies are not pleasant. I mean, usually when something like that has to be done or somebody requests it being done, um, they're, they're, they're very, very painful. Very painful for the people that are left behind. And, and as you think about an autopsy of a dead church, I mean, that sounds pretty depressing. Well, here's why. Here's the reason why. I guarantee you, every one of those 100,000 plus churches at one point felt exactly the way we feel today about Coastal. I guarantee it. I mean, every one of those dead or dying churches at one point, guess what? They were alive. They were thriving. They were growing. And unless we understand those reasons for decline, unless churches today get what happened and why, guess what? They are doomed to repeat the, past, uh, the mistakes of the past. And Coastal, guess what? We're no different. You know, we're not immune. It, it can happen so quickly, so subtly. And before you know it, guess what? We forget why we're here. We forget our purpose. We turn inward. It becomes about us and our needs and our wants and our preferences. And instead of the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, marching forward together, beating down the very gates of hell, reaching out to people, changing lives one at a time, we become a club. Only concerned about ourselves and our, our needs. Slowly, subtly, over time, eroding 
until our ultimate death. Well, Coastal, I don't know about you, but I, for one, am not going to stand for that. Listen, until Jesus comes again, you know, until the sky splits, the trumpet sounds, or I breathe my last breath and Jesus calls me home personally, I will give my dying breath to ensure that we as a church stay focused, that we stay true to the mission of our church, to share and experience the life of Jesus with the world around us, to do anything short of sin, to share the good news with, with people. Listen, the truth is, though, what we're talking about today, this is not a modern-day problem. The truth is churches all throughout history have gotten off course. It was actually even a New Testament problem. In fact, think about it. Many of the letters that were written in the New Testament were written, of course, to churches. Why? Well, some of them have gotten, had gotten off course. You know, they needed to get back on track. I mean, read through like 1 Corinthians, for example. Man, talk about a messed up group of people. Man, that, that church had all kinds of problems, all kinds of issues. Fast forward to the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation. The very beginning of, of Revelation, beginning there in chapter 2, there is this series of letters from Jesus to seven different churches. Why? Well, he commends them. He talks about some great things that they had done, but many of them had gotten off track. And this is only about 30 or 35 years after the early church was established. And already they needed to be, you know, pushed back on track. Remember their focus. Remember their purpose. In fact, listen to what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus. This is Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 2. These are the letters to the seven churches, the beginning one. He says this, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but not you have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Now, stop right there for a second. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, okay, church at Ephesus, listen, you've done some great things. You know, you started off well. You know, you have a great past. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other, as you did at first. Look at how far you have fallen from your first love. Turn back to me again, and work like you did at first. In other words, what had happened? In a very, very short period of time, they had gotten off track. They had forgotten that it was all about Jesus. He says, you don't love me like you did. You don't love one another like you did at first. So here's what we're going to do today. Really quickly, we're going to go through these nine common characteristics, these nine character traits of dead and dying churches. Because I want us to learn from the past, not repeat the mistakes of the past. Number one, and this is appropriate, these churches live in the past. That's one of the common traits of a dead and dying church. They live in the past. They, they constantly want to talk about the what? The good old days, right? You know, the glory days, the good old days, the way it used to be. You know, whether that was a big event, former, former members, former people, whatever. And guess what? That, my friends, is our natural tendency. 
We are all inclined to do that. It, it, we are inclined by our very nature to dwell in the past, to live in the past. But here's my point. All of that, all that does is keep us from experiencing what God wants to do in the future. It keeps us from experiencing even what God has in store for us right here and right now today. In fact, look at Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Look at this. What's the very first word of this verse? What does it say? Forget. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the what? The past. See, I'm doing a new thing. And then he says, it springs up. Don't you perceive it? And basically, the answer is, you know, it's a rhetorical question. He's saying, you don't see it. He says, I'm making a brand, I'm making a way in the desert, streams in the wasteland. What's he saying? I'm bringing life. I'm doing new and exciting things, but you don't see it because you're stuck in the past. The word dwell there means to set up camp, to set up home. You're stuck there. Listen, I think as a church, there's nothing wrong with honoring the past, you know, remembering the past, learning from the past. But listen, we are not going to get stuck there. God's doing a new thing constantly. Number two, they refuse to look like the community in which they serve. Hmm. They refuse to look like the community in which they serve. I want to be very frank here, okay? A lot of churches that are dying today were started in neighborhoods that have greatly changed over the last 30, 40, 50 years. Now, again, let me be very blunt. In some of those neighborhoods, that change has been a racial change, an age-related change, maybe it's an economic change. Whatever the case, as those members began to move away and further and further away from excuse me, further and further away from the community and not reach out to the community. They left the community behind. And now, years later, what you see all over America and even here in Charleston are these big facilities that sit empty, basically. Because they made the choice not to no longer make an impact in the community in which they live and in their neighborhoods. In fact, most of those communities in there, if that church no longer existed, which for the most part they really don't anyway, they wouldn't even notice. Now, one of the things about Coastal that I have been the most excited about as we have been growing and experienced this growth over the last four or five years is that we have become more and more diverse. Let me say something. I want our church, I want Coastal, to always be a beautiful reflection of the community in which we live. Did you hear that loud and clear? Our goal, my goal for this church is that we will become and always be a beautiful reflection of the community in which we live. Now, if you got a problem with that, if you're not okay with that, you're going to have a problem with heaven really doesn't matter. You're probably not going there anyway. Okay, so, um, I mean, hell's pretty diverse, you know. You better, you better like it. Um, guys, listen. White, black, rich, poor, educated, uneducated. That's what the church should be. 
Number three, they only spent money on themselves. They only spent money on themselves. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your what will be also? Your heart. What's that mean? In other words, listen, if you want to see what people value, all you have to do is look at their checkbook. All you got to do is look at how they spend their money. And so dying churches stop spending money on outreach, community events, evangelism, advertising. They stop giving money away to missionaries and mission fields and new church plants. By the way, don't, don't make this misunderstanding either. Just because you are a dying or almost dead church, do you know that that doesn't mean that you don't have money? Did you know that there are dying and dead churches, even in our own community, that are sitting on ginormous wads of cash? They've just been hoarding it. While the world around them is dying and going to hell. They're saving it for a rainy day. And one day Jesus is going to look at those people and say, you wicked, lazy servant. Number four. They forgot about the Great Commission. Another characteristic. They forgot about the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? Jesus said in Matthew 28, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth, therefore what? What's the word? Go, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you claim to be a Christian, listen, you are a missionary. You have a mission that's been given to you by God. This is not your home, you know. This is not, you are a missionary in a foreign land. Uh, you are just passing through. One day you will stand before God and he's basically going to ask you two questions. What did you do with Jesus? You know, did you... Make Jesus your Savior and Lord. And then secondly, what did you do with everything else that I gave you so that you could reach out to people? All the stuff, all your time, energy, money, resources, it's all just stuff to be leveraged for the kingdom. You know, again, we don't just go to church. We what, Coastal? We are the church. And we're on a mission. And it's to beat down the gates of hell and to rescue people one life at a time. And dying churches forget that. They forget that. And it becomes all about them and their needs and their wants, which leads me to number five. Number five, their, their own personal preferences trumped purpose. Their personal preferences trumped purpose. Now, everybody in this room, no matter your age, no matter your background, we all have personal preferences about all, all different kinds of things, all kinds of things in the church. Whether it's about music, we all have music preferences, sound preferences, lighting preferences, clothing, clothing style, preaching style, ministry style, facilities, service times. I could go on and on and on and on. Now, in dead and dying churches, those people at some point spend more time discussing, fretting over, even arguing about what? their own personal preferences than they actually do spending time reaching out to lost people, loving their community, serving their community. You know, I like to say that one of the marks of a mature person, of, of a mature follower of Jesus, I say this a lot around here, 
is that, and again, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're a mature person, you are willing from time to time to set aside your own personal preferences for the purpose of the church. Because you recognize it's not about you. It's about others. Number six, pastors came and went. Pastors came and went. Um, I've been the pastor here this coming Easter uh, for 25 years. You're not getting rid of me. That's just not happened. I will outlast you. Um, I feel like we're just getting started. I'm going to be here for another 25 years. So I'm going to do all your funerals, okay? Um, uh, anyway. Uh, but, you know, here's the reality. Typically, typically, and you see this a lot around here. I've seen this a lot. There are churches here that you drive by, you think they're huge. And the truth is they have the reputation of being preacher eaters. And they're not huge. They've got a big facility. But in the last 25 years, some of those churches have been through five, six pastors. And what happens is pastors come, and there's this really short honeymoon period. And everybody loves everybody. Everybody's happy. And then he tries to introduce change. And it's resisted. And then he gets chewed up and spit out, typically, in about three to five years. Number seven, prayer is no longer a priority. Prayer is no longer a priority. Coastal, if we're going to continue to grow, we've got to work like it all depends on us. I believe that. I believe in hard work. I believe in a strong work ethic. However, we have to pray. We have to pray Pray, pray, pray like it all depends on God. Man, we need to be begging God daily to continue to use us, to use this group of people. Plead with him to continue to use us to draw people to himself. Now prayer, you know, we just talked about this a couple of weeks ago in uh, in the prayer circle. Um, Prayer is about dependence. It's about, ultimately, it's about faith and trust. And what happens is that in dying churches, prayer becomes nothing more than just a ritualistic afterthought. May that never happen here. Number eight, they have no clear purpose. No clear purpose. Coastal, let me say it again. We exist to share and experience what? What's the word? Life. Life. Say it loud. We exist to share and experience Life. life. Life is only found in who? Okay, we're in church. The answer is Jesus, okay? Life is only found in who? Jesus. Jesus. Listen, we believe that. You know, you are, either de- you are either alive in Christ, you have either been made alive in him, or you are still dead in sin. Listen, Jesus did not die on a cross and rise from the dead to make bad people better or good people pat themselves on the back. We are not a self-help group. This is not a country club. We are the church, and we're on a mission to rescue people from the very pit of hell one life at a time. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He came to save sinners and to set them free. Our job is to point people to him, and dying churches forget that. Number nine, this is funny. Oh, it's not funny, but uh, interesting. Uh, they obsessed over their facilities. They obsessed. They became obsessive over their facilities. So let's talk about this as we close. Uh, Coastal, uh, we are about to build our very first building. I mean, we have a building here, right? And that's exciting. And yep, woo, let's, we can clap for that. 
Uh, these are exciting times. I mean, if you're new, you don't know this, but for the first 14 years of our church, uh, we were portable. We set up and broke down every single Sunday for 14 years. I used to pray to God there would not be chairs in heaven because I was tired of moving them. Um, and now we're still moving chairs, so there you go. But, um, but these are exciting times. I mean, we came to the point where even here now, we believe that God wants us to continue to grow, continue to reach our community uh, for Jesus. And so what we did, we decided to step out in faith, and together we went all in, and uh, we committed together to give thousands and thousands of dollars to build a new building on our campus that will seat 450, 500 people. However, that building, these buildings, they are just a what? A tool. Very good. Now, I believe that we ought to do the very best we can with what we have, with the tools God's given us. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great definition of excellence, right? It's not perfection, but it's doing the best you can with what you have. And we're going to do that with the new building. However, we will not obsess over it. We, we will not obsess over what goes in it. We will not obsess over the flooring. We will not obsess over the chairs. We will not obsess over the sound, over the lighting, over the cafe, over the kitchen. Instead, you know what we're going to do with it? We are going to fill it. We're going to use it. We're going to use it slap up. We're going to give it away. We're going to give it away to our community. We're going to give it away to our children and to their children. We're going to start with two services. By the way, man, I could do that in my sleep. Two services. That's going to be easy. But you know what? I look forward to the day when we are forced to go to three services and then four services. And then we got to figure out what to do next. We're going to either build another building. Do we start another church? I believe that. I believe that by the year 2020, we have the potential to be a church of 2,000 people in just six years. Now, to do that, by the way, if you're not okay with that, go find another church. There's lots of dead and dying churches, by the way. Go fill those places. And just be about us four and no more and tell everybody else they can go to hell. But we're not going to do that here. Now to do that, to keep growing, to keep thriving, you know what we're going to do? We will obsess over Jesus. We're going to obsess over making him famous in our community, in, in our world. We're going to obsess over how do we reach out to people. We're going to obsess over loving people and serving people and loving and serving our community. Coastal, are you with me? Yes. Are you with me? Yes. Now, here's what I want to do. Pull out your Connect card. I began the sermon by saying this, that I, I want to challenge you today, and I hope some of you will fall in love with the church. I hope you fall in love with Coastal, and I hope you make Coastal your church. Well, guess what? This Saturday, we have a membership class. Listen, don't be afraid of that, by the way. Membership is nothing more than a formal, it's a way of formalizing your commitment. That's all it is. You know, it's, it's formalizing your commitment. It's the difference between living with somebody and getting married, Okay. You can say your commitment, but until you have that piece of paper, before, until you stand up before God and other people and say, this is my spouse, this is my husband, this is my wife, then you can come and go as you want to, really. 
okay? Membership is no different. It's just a way of formalizing your commitment. And so I hope that this Saturday, I'm going to see some of you there. And that you're ready to say, you know what? I've been messing around, coming and going. It's time that I make Coastal my church. Now, for those of you who already are members of Coastal, you know, maybe today we all just needed to be reminded that it can happen like that. That's so subtle and so fast that we forget why we're here. It's no longer about you. It's about others. And sometimes we forget that. So today I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for this church. Bow your heads. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, today, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the church. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to this earth to build the church, your kingdom. And that you use us. This is what's amazing. You use the very people that you've rescued to then go back and to love this world to serve this world, and to point people to Jesus. And you tell us that if we'll do that, you'll be with us always, every step of the way. And that you're going to use us to beat down the gates of hell, to rescue people. Father, thank you that we get to do that. Father, it's my prayer today that there are people here today who are ready to, you know, make that commitment and to make Coastal their home. Father, for those of us who've already done that, sometimes we forget that, you know, we come and we think, well, I didn't get anything out of that service, or how come this happened or that happened, and we, somehow we've forgotten and we've gotten off track. That's not about us. It's about you and it's about others. Help us to be the church that you've called us to be. We love you, and I pray this today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.